This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. This episode is sponsored by the novel A Truthful Man by Hilary Walker. In his tiny parish on the English coast, Father James has remained untouched by the modernising of the Catholic Church. But when he's handed evidence of serious wrongdoing by Mark Boulder, an ex-university friend, he is obliged to take it to his bishop. He refuses a bribe to drop the case, and the bishop brings swift retribution upon him. Mark is riding high until his brother-in-law, the bishop, warns him about the evidence from Father James of a scandal which could ruin his flourishing investment business. Alarmed, Mark tries to dissuade the priest from pursuing justice against him for the sake of their old friendship, but Father James cares far more about the man's eternal salvation than his secular ambition. He stands firm and suffers more reprisals from his bishop. Details of Mark's malfeasance reach the media and he becomes wanted by the police. With his reputation in ruins and shunned by his wife, children and the bishop, he realises only one person can rescue him, the very priest whose vocation he has destroyed. Can Mark humble himself to ask the priest's assistance? If he does, why should Father James help him? A Truthful Man by multiple best-selling Amazon author Hilary Walker is now available from hillarywalkerbooks.com and Amazon. Well, hello and welcome to Christian Book Blurb, the podcast that aims to encourage you and help you to grow in your discipleship as we explore relevant, inspiring and often hard-hitting themes and messages as we meet some amazing Christian authors and learn about their books, their lives and their faith on this twice-monthly podcast. I'm your host, Matt McClary. Thanks for joining me today. And on today's show, we are going to be discussing God Isn't Finished With You Yet with the author Catherine Campbell. Hello, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Matt. It's lovely to be your guest today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really intrigued by um, the topic of your of your book and indeed of this podcast, God Isn't Finished With You Yet. Um, who was the book written for? Who did you have in your mind when you when you thought about writing this book? I think the title gives away the answer to your question to some degree because the word you includes all of us. Um, I mean, all of us at some stage or other encounter some difficulty in our lives. Um, but when I um, was thinking about writing this book, the people that I had in mind were particularly those who have been crushed by difficult circumstances in their lives where they have allowed the circumstances to define them and in doing that they have not only given up a bit on themselves but they have this false perception that because of circumstances or or situations that God isn't interested in them anymore in fact he may have abandoned them and he certainly will pass them over for for um, anything that uh, he can see someone else might be able to do better. So really, um, I had those people in mind. But if you've ever thought or said about anything in your life, 
nothing good can ever come out of this, then I believe that God isn't finished with you yet is a book for you. Mm, that's great. Um, and of course, in the book, you deal with, um, you take you take characters from the Bible and you sort of tell their story and you also sort of give some comment on that. But you kind of focus in on a certain... Um, failing as it were in each of these characters so you've got feeling trapped you've got failure someone who's who's spoiled or, or guilt or aging um you cover quite a a few different topics um i would just like to focus in on a couple of these on our podcast today if if i may can we start with speaking about failure for a moment how can failure start to define and almost control us do you think well, I think failure is something we all have experienced. It's universal. Uh, it's probably as consistent as breathing, um, that we attempt things from the simple things like baking a cake uh, to the more difficult um, situations in life. And you can be sure that um, at some stage or other, all of us have failed. We only have to look at the whole situation way back in the Garden of Eden. Eden that's where it all started. We're flawed human beings, so we are prone uh, to sin, but in the midst of all of that um, comes failure. I'm not saying that that's always sin, but I'm saying we are flawed um, human beings. Um, and I think really um, when we look at what it means, because when you write books you have to use a dictionary quite often to really get true meanings of, of what the words are. And failure in the dictionary is described as lack of success. It's when we don't reach what we're expected and uh, or when we fail to live up to what we expect of ourselves or in the opinion of others and we all fail as i say then at different levels but the problem becomes and you're talking about um when can failure start to define us the problem becomes when we allow failure to be an identity that we take on failure really becomes who we are rather than a temporary place that God brings us to because we all will fail. We are meant to, um, when we reach this place, it's meant to be a tra transition place. Um, it starts to define us when we stay there and we refuse um, to move on. If you're talking then um, to about it defining us, then once we start to allow something to define us, then it starts to control us. Um, and it produces a negativity within us. You know, you start by saying, well, I can't do that. It's as simple as that. And then you start to think, well, because I can't do that, I can't do this either. And it becomes, I love, um, Emily Owen has a little quote in her book, God's Calling Cards, which is a lovely book. And she says that failure becomes a shadow over everything else that we do. And that's where failure or not living up to expectations or making a mess of things, all of those kind of things, um, where it then becomes destructive in our lives. Mm. Mm. And do you think you, you mentioned success and failure being when we don't live up to what we hoped to achieve or, or, or to reach that point that we would deem successfulness? Um, do you think God defines success differently to us? And what would that be in your I opinion? I believe he absolutely defines success differently than us. Um, you see, our 
human perspective on the view of success tends to involve three things. Um, it tends to involve wealth, health and happiness. If you have all of these things lined up, then, then we are seen as successful um, from a, a human and a secular perspective. But then what happens then if any one of those things or of all three of those things are missing, then a sense of failure hangs over us because we're only looking at what is expected of us by the society that we look in. But my reading of scripture um, is really that God doesn't measure success by our achievements. Sometimes even as Christians, we think the busier we are, the more successful we are spiritually. And that's a huge, that's a huge issue because we live lives that are busy because we have made them uh, busy. And God doesn't measure our success um, by how much money we have in the bank or how skilled we are. Um, in fact, I believe that God measures our success in how much we depend on him so that others can see that our strength comes from him. It's not because we are somehow or other better than other people. Um, I love Paul and I love the book of Philippians. It's such an encouraging little book. And um, he said something amazing from a Roman prison. He said in Philippians 1 and verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, where he was would not have been as, as, as seen as a success. The evangelist who was meant to be covering all of these places couldn't get out of prison, wouldn't have been seen as success. But then he goes on a couple of verses later in all of this, and he says, my imprisonment is for Christ. What was different in his view of success and the world's view of success was that it was rated by an eternal perspective. Mm, it wasn't just mm. the getting of now, um, but it was exactly what God wants us to have. Um, personally, um, I had big plans for my life and I may have not got what I thought was right for my life. In many ways, I may have thought that where I ended up for a certain period of time was a failure. But because I ended up, rather than becoming a foreign missionary, I ended up caring for two profoundly disabled children. And now, all of these years later, I totally agree with the Apostle Paul because I believe that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So therefore, God's view of success is marked by how dependent we are on him so that he can use us because he's thinking about more than the now, here and now. He has an eternal perspective. And, and therefore, um, that's where the difference comes in and how we look for success and mm, how we look at wonderful. success. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for sharing that, that bit about your life as well. It's really, really valuable. Thank you. Um, so with this whole idea of juggling with success and failure, um, what can we do um, to navigate times where we feel we've failed? So, yeah, over to you. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so much you could say. I mean, you could be here all day. But what I want to do is I want to encourage people who are listening because very often when topics like this come up, the first thing we, what happens is ping, something happens in our mind and we remember the time that really 
We were the ones who made a mess of it. It wasn't just the circumstances that came into our lives. And I want to encourage people by saying something that they know already, but how interesting it is that God himself repeats things in order that we might take them on board. And so I would say to the listeners today that whatever it is that you're thinking about at the minute, that failure is not final. It does not need to define us. And I think if we're going to navigate these times, one of the first things that we need to do is actually recognize who God is. You see, whenever things go wrong, whether it's our fault or someone else's fault or circumstances fault, we tend to get a very um, enclosed view of what's happening and we even change our attitude perhaps about God. And so I would say that one of the first things that we need to do is have a look at who he is. We need to remind ourselves of the fact that God loves us. He gave his son for us. We are that precious to him. If we are that precious to him, would he just drop us just because things aren't quite going the way he would want them to? No, I don't believe that he would. We need to remind ourselves of his greatness. I love that little verse in the psalm that talks about how he holds the waters in the palm of his hand. That's how big he is. And whenever we see our situation as overwhelming as something that has maybe separated us from us, he's that big. So our lives are in his hands. We need to look at, oh, there's so much that you could look at, his power, his, his faithfulness. I love to quote to myself that, that verse, um, if, I, if I've had a bit of a bad week, you know, that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So whatever today brings, he is still faithful and he's going to give us something new. Um, and so I think once you get a picture of who he is, it's easier for us to trust him with the failures in our lives. He never gives up on us. I want just to mention, uh, Matt, a verse that has been transformational in my life. Um, it's a verse from Romans uh, chapter 12, and the reading of it in the New Living Translation says this. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do it? By changing the way that you think. After that, then it says in the verse, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God doesn't want us to stay sitting in the corner feeling that we have failed, we've let him down, that he doesn't love us anymore, that he doesn't want us anymore. What he wants to do is to change the way that we think and then he leads us on to something new. Mm, that's lovely, thank you. Another topic you deal with in the book, um, you talk about aging, you use the, the story of Simeon and Anna. Um, I'm so glad you included aging. Why do you think some people feel that God has finished with them? when they get older. Oh, the story of Simeon and Anna is just a beautiful story. And uh, sometimes we need to clarify that Simeon and Anna weren't related to each other, except mm. in their devotion to God and in the fact that they would have known each other through their meetings in the temple. Um, but there's one thing for sure, that every single one of us are getting older. I have an eight-year-old grandson who can't wait to be older. And I keep telling him one day, Daniel, your grandson hopefully will say to you, 
how old are you granny and when you they reply to you 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 know they will say as you have said to me on occasions oh that's a very big number granny you know and but we're all aging it happens and but as we get older I think one of the things that makes us feel that God isn't finished with us yet is because we're physically slowing down. We're not as sharp as we used to be mentally. And, you know, it takes us longer to remember where we put our glasses, never mind, you know, a Bible verse that we have known for so long. And so we, we sometimes, and I believe wrongfully, um, equate usefulness with youth. And, um, and then the other side of that coin is we forget that not everything of value requires an agile body. I have loved down through the years meeting and mentoring certain individuals, young women in their maybe heading to university who have come to me and said, can I meet with you for six weeks that we can talk together? Um, and there is something beautiful about sharing in the life of a young person because the amount you learn from them you know, you hope you can pass on something, a little thing. Um, and I think really when we're feeling our age and when things are getting uh, to kind of, kind of slip from our mind or whatever, we have to remember that God's actually not really interested in how our body is per se. And I mean that in the right way. Um, he's more interested in what's going on inside of us. Um, didn't he say in First Samuel, um, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Look at Noah, look at Abraham, look at Moses. They did their best work when they were old men. And so we have to uh, remember that um, in the case of um, Simeon and Anna, at their great ages, um, that God chose them, in particular Simeon, uh, to introduce his son to the world. Um, and um, as the Messiah. And so... I think it's amazing that, that we just need to, to recognize that um, God isn't finished us when we get, when we get older. Um, yeah. It's just wonderful the things that do, he does with the elderly. Do you think that not letting go of past successes or particular ways of doing things can hinder what God has for people now that they're older? Yeah. Yes, I, I would agree with you, Matt, on that one. Um, I would agree that sometimes because we equate our best years with our younger years, we want to continue to, to live in those years and therefore we're not prepared to let it go because we're afraid the next lot won't be just as good. Um, I feel that new spiritual territory is available for all of us, whatever age we're in, but it's harder to, to achieve if you're always looking back. You know, if I'm always looking in the rearview mirror in my car, you know what? I could run into something in front of me and make a real mess of things. Um, it's always harder when we are looking back to achieve new ground. I think it's also harder to grow spiritually when we're older because sometimes we can think we know it all. We think we know what the Bible says. We think you know, we know how to do this or we do that. And then we can resist change. And as we resist change, we are the ones who put the hold on what God wants for us now because it's different from what has come 
uh, previously. Um, uh, a school not too far from us is where we would do our voting. And um, I remember having moved back from Coleraine back into Newton Abbey and we went there for the first time. And I went into the, to the assembly hall to where the, the voting booths were and written right across the wall were these words, living things change. And I thought that was powerful. Living things change. Um, we need to be prepared to change, all of us, whatever age we are, because it's evidence of being spiritually alive. The dead sea's dead because it only takes in, it never gives out, it, it becomes full of salt and, and a pond will be stagnant when there's no new water coming in to flow through it. If mm. we don't change, therefore, I believe that we will stagnate and pond and such a good point. Yeah. Such a good point, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. We will be coming back after these messages to carry on chatting with Catherine Campbell about her book, God Isn't Finished With You Yet. She's going to be giving us some wonderful tips and advice um, about um, living for God um, at whatever stage of life. We'll also be finding out a little bit more about her life as well. So do stay tuned um, and join us after these. This episode is sponsored by the novel A Truthful Man by Hilary Walker. In his tiny parish on the English coast, Father James has remained untouched by the modernising of the Catholic Church. But when he's handed evidence of serious wrongdoing by Mark Boulder, an ex-university friend, he is obliged to take it to his bishop. He refuses a bribe to drop the case, and the bishop brings swift retribution upon him. Mark is riding high until his brother-in-law, the bishop, warns him about the evidence from Father James of a scandal which could ruin his flourishing investment business. Alarmed, Mark tries to dissuade the priest from pursuing justice against him for the sake of their old friendship, but Father James cares far more about the man's eternal salvation than his secular ambition. He stands firm and suffers more reprisals from his bishop. Details of Mark's malfeasance reach the media and he becomes wanted by the police. With his reputation in ruins and shunned by his wife, children and the bishop, he realises only one person can rescue him, the very priest whose vocation he has destroyed. Can Mark humble himself to ask the priest's assistance? If he does, why should Father James help him? A Truthful Man by multiple best-selling Amazon author Hilary Walker is now available from hilarywalkerbooks.com and Amazon. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash mattmcclary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Hello and welcome back to the Christian Podcast. I'm chatting with the author Catherine Campbell about God Isn't Finished With You Yet. Just before we carry on our discussion, I wanted to let you know that I have a copy of Catherine's wonderful book, God Isn't Finished With You Yet, Life Lessons on Not Giving Up. 
I've got a copy of that book with me right now. And if you go over to my website, mattmcclary.com, and sign up to my newsletter, once a month there is a chance for those people who are subscribed to my newsletter to win a book. So one of the months coming up, I will be um, giving away God Isn't Finished With You Yet by Catherine Campbell. So if you would like a chance to win, do head over to my website and sign up. And it's also autographed by Catherine as well. So you get a signed copy um, there. So do join the website, um, the mailing list over on my website um, for a chance to get yourself a copy of that. But anyway, go check out her books because she's written many, many others. Go and have a look for those wherever you get good Christian books from um, and grab a copy because she is an excellent author. Right. Let me welcome Catherine back to the conversation. Um, before the break, Catherine, we were talking about um, a couple of sort of issues you were dealing with in your book. We spoke about failure and success and we spoke about getting older. Um just generally, what what advice do you have for anyone who thinks, for whatever reason, that God is finished with them? I think um, it's good if they have the question, because I always believe that if you don't ask a question, you won't get an answer. So therefore, if there's a struggle within your heart about something or other, then that's a good sign. Um, it's not another sign that you've messed up. It's not another sign that with the difficulties in your life that God has finished with you. It's actually a positive thing. It's a positive thing to help you uh, to move on. So if you're thinking that, that's good. It's not it's like, a negative. It's like, I, it's like identifying the roadblock in the way so that you can get around mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. rather than just staying stuck behind it. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and that's exactly what it is. It's... Um, Everybody's situation is difficult, is different. Everybody's um, life circumstances are different. Um, and some people are struggling with the, the tough stuff, the big whys in life, you know, and, um, and they do hit these barricades. I mean, I remember whenever we were first told that our first daughter was profoundly disabled and that she would, in the doctor's terms, never be normal. I can remember, up until that point as a young Christian, um, my path ahead was straight and then all of a sudden this put a big bend in it and I had no idea mm. what was around it. So I have total understanding about where people are coming from, what their situation is. Somebody may be listening and say, well, I don't really think failure is a problem with me, you know. Um, what the book is about is looking at the big issues in life that all of us should be able um, to identify with. So what advice really would I, go, would I give to them? Do you know, I really believe with all of my heart that God is a speaking God. But I believe he speaks through his word, the Bible. And uh, often when I'm speaking at meetings, people will say, you know, I've never heard God speaking to me. And I said, but he wants to speak to you. He doesn't hide himself. But if you want to hear God speak, then you've got to open the book. If you have some concerns in your life and you feel that God has abandoned you, then I want you to look at certain reasons, at certain, not reasons for that, but at um, certain promises that God gives. I mean, I love the, what Joshua says, what God says in Joshua um, chapter 1 and verse 5, because 
he says, I will never leave you. So do you believe what God says or do you not? You feel abandoned? It's not true. You're being lied to probably by the father of lies, uh, who is the devil. God says, I will never leave you. You are not abandoned. Hmm. I will never forsake you. Doesn't matter what you've done. I'll not say, I'll not, God will never waken up one day and say, see that Catherine Campbell, she never gets things right. I'm just not going to love her today. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I believe that even in the simplest of way, through God's word, seek out the things that's going on in your head. Seek out what he says in his word. Read it, think about it, and believe it. Mm. We don't believe God's word enough, I don't think. And then that the, he goes on uh, further in 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 first uh, in Joshua chapter one, and these are the things, the advice that God is giving us, which I pass on in various ways in the book, because God says, "Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened." Sometimes we're so afraid of the future that we won't walk into it. And God says to us, I have not forsaken you. I will be with you. He says, so therefore, in light of this, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Disappointment is a huge issue in our lives regarding where we think God has maybe let us down. And so God says to us, do not be dismayed. And then this beautiful end of the verse that says for the lord your god is with you wherever you go mm -hmm. into the pit of despair down through the valley of grief wherever you go he will be with you you have to believe him and you have to listen to what he says god loves us as i said a minute ago he loves us too much to give up on us but you've mentioned the little life lessons bit in the book because mm. the book comes in sections and, and yeah, the life does. lessons it's... yeah so let's just talk about sort of how the book's structured for for a minute then mm -hmm. so um you you've got these sort of main themes to do with um life lessons and not giving up like like failure and guilt and aging and that sort of thing and you've linked those to certain characters in the bible like john mark um, Judah, the woman of Samaria, Simeon and Anna, as we've mentioned. Yeah. And yeah. I love the way how it's it's structured in that there's a... Would you, would you call it biblical fiction? Because I know in the book you say that it's very well researched and it's all based on historical facts. You don't add anything extra to the story. How would you describe the first sort of bit of each section? Yeah. I tend to prefer the term retelling because, mm. yes... I have to be honest there are certain things obviously that I make up sometimes I even make up a name when it's not there but I even look at those names sometimes it can take me hours to look uh, for a name for someone who is unnamed in scripture so that it's relevant to what's going on in the passage so I do I do these retellings um, uh, some people may call it biblical fiction I'm not going to get too worried about it but to me what I do is I look at scripture first and foremost uh, I look at what the Bible is saying, and then I look at what's happening around the verse. So I look at um, why was that said, where was it said, um, what's happening socially, what's happening politically, you know, um, what's happening within um, the nation of the Jews 
in relation to what has happened before. All of these things are relevant. You know, the first time mm. I wrote like this happened because I read one line in Mark's Gospel, and it was about the leper. And he came and he fell at Jesus' feet. And the one line that hit me between the eyes was, he was full of leprosy. So what I did was, I looked at what that meant. Same with all of these characters, all of these people. I look at what's going on around them. And you see, the more you take away the layers, the more the story actually comes up and the more it makes sense of what's mm. happening. So that's mm. what I do with the retellings. Yeah, so you've got a retelling, and then there's a section straight after each retelling um, where you you kind of expound it, you you explain things and, and give your your thoughts and life lessons, um, mm. you call it. So what what inspired you to add that element to the book? Yeah, I think probably um, because um, the retellings are taking the person to sit inside the story. There are things they will learn by themselves um, from the story and from the scripture. But I wanted to do something in the way, and I loosely call it biblical teaching. I want to look at the situation and what we can learn from it today to take into the circ similar circumstances. You know, I mean, the lessons that we, we learn, for example, from Abigail's story of feeling trapped, the lesson of perseverance, the lesson of finding contentment. And so I look at these things and what the Bible has to say about them. What is faith? Um, because this woman had to have faith, you know, when she headed out to David. And and so so I look at the life lessons, things that we can look at from Scripture, that we can take on board, that will help us to move forward. I don't just want people to read a good story and come away from it and say, yeah, that was interesting. But they've only sat in the story and looked around them in the story. But I want to take them forward with that and help mm. them with things in their own lives. Mm, that's really good that's really good one of the things we like to do on this podcast Catherine is to get to know the author themselves we spent <laughs> a long time discussing wonderful topics in your book which is fantastic but we like to sort of get a little peek into the life of of the author behind the book so um what can you tell us what what where do you live what do you do for fun do you have any favorite foods or hobbies yeah, well, I live in Newton Abbey in uh, Northern Ireland, um, and uh, I'm married to Philip, who is a retired minister. Uh, before that, he worked for over 20 years as an evangelist throughout the Isles, uh, the islands um, that make up the UK. And um, I nursed for, I was a nurse for over 30 years, mostly on a part-time basis because of our, our family situation because I we have three children. We have two girls and a boy. Um, our, uh, both of our girls were born profoundly um, affected by a condition called microcephaly where their brains did not grow properly and so they needed um, all care. Um, Cheryl died when she was 10 and Joy died when she was 13. Uh, we have a son as well um, who is um, a great musician. He's a father, he's married, he's a father. He has given us two beautiful grandchildren. So that's kind of a family situation mm. as far as um, concerned um, 
what do we like? What do we like to do? Well, we don't live too far from a um, matter of minutes away from um, the Belfast Lock. So we like to walk mm, nice. um, and get out and about a bit. And uh, although we are meant to be both retired, um, we are still <laughs> extremely, extremely busy. busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love ministering to women in particular, and so I spend a lot of my time with at ladies' meetings, at events, and things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, we we like our kind of chill out thing is um, we like to watch um, dramas that have a great team dynamic. You know, we love Endeavour and Morse, and I okay, think rather yeah. than even the stories, it's how the people work together. I mm. love the team of, oh dear, this may be making me old, um, of NCIS. You know, I love how these people work together. Mm. It's, mm. I, it, I just find it fascinating how, how they work um, together. But then because of my nursing background, I also love the medical dramas and uh, documentaries, oh, not dramas. That. I don't like the me medical drama ah. apart from Call the Midwife. Call the Midwife is a okay. Is oh, an I think there's one. a lot of fans of that one. Yeah, I was going to say that was quite one. surprising because mm -hmm. some of the the people I've spoken to um, who who work professionally, like people who used to be policemen, they can't stand watching police shows, or or, or people who used to be doctors, they can't mm. stand medical dramas because they say, oh, it's just all made up and it doesn't happen like that in real life. Yeah. Um, so medical yeah. documentaries, documentaries rather than like drama. surgeons at the end of life, you know, and okay. where my husband has to leave the room because he can't stand them watching them cutting someone open, whereas I find it fascinating. <laughs> you know? I, I even watched a surgeon uh, um, online doing a knee replacement before I went oh. to have my knee replacement. So, so yeah, that's, wow. that's kind of who I, who I am so yeah lots of wonderful oh that's mm. great that's fantastic have you got anything coming up because i've already mentioned that you've written loads of books um mm -hmm. before this isn't the first book of yours that i've read I've, I've read some others as well um thank you have you got anything else mm -hmm. in the background that you're working on yeah uh, actually, um, we're at the editorial stage of the next one, which will be number Ooh, nine. Exciting! And it's coming out in October. Um, it's another year-long devotional book, three six five, called "Consider Him." Uh, and this time, I did journey with me before four years ago, and um, uh, this time I decided to focus in on Jesus not purely the life of Jesus, but Jesus from eternity and, and through. Mm, mm. And it's being published by IVP and it'll be out mm. in October. Oh, mm. wonderful. We look forward to that one. Thank you, Catherine. Mm, thank you. And where can people find you online? Where can they find, do you have, you got a website? Where mm. can they get your books? All that sort of thing. Well, my website is very easy. Um, it's catherine-campbell.com. Um, so yes, I have a website and uh, books are available from my website, but I really like to encourage people to buy from their local Christian bookshops, mm -hmm. simply because I feel it's so vitally important to keep Christian bookshops on the high street and to encourage the people who are ministering to folk when they're coming through the doors. Any Christian bookshop, some of the Christian online retail, anywhere really that sells Christian books, 
I'm very grateful for usually stock some of my own books. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook author page. I would like to say I'm on Instagram, but I haven't really worked out how to work it very well yet. Sometimes <laughs> I get a post and I put it on, and other times I don't. I'm really not terribly techy, but um, it's it's amazing actually that a lot of my bookings come through private messages on on Facebook more so than the phone now. It's amazing mm, how it mm. has changed. But yeah, I'm I'm there. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Catherine. It's been a joy chatting with you today Thank and you. getting some insight into your life and, and your books um, and your faith as well. Thank you so much. It's been really great. And thank you also to this show's sponsor, the novel A Truthful Man by Hilary Walker. Do go and grab your copy now from hilarywalkerbooks.com. And thank you as well for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to go over to Facebook and join our special Facebook group, Fans of Christian Book Blurb. There you can interact with other fans as well as me, your host, Matt McClary. And you can uh, put forward um, questions to potential guests and discuss the topics that have been raised in the podcast and all sorts of other fun stuff as well. So do find our Facebook group over on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to join us again for another edition of Christian Book Blurb. They come out twice a month, so another one will be coming your way really soon. Thank you so much. See you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.